Hey there, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. Well, you've thought about doing your own podcast, let me tell you, it's not near as hard as it used to be. I launched a podcast back in 2008, and it was crazy difficult to get it listed everywhere where listeners were, which back then wasn't really that many places. But now, podcasts are everywhere, and with a platform like Buzzsprout, you can be all over the place with one click, plus a great-looking website, analytics, and more. That's why... We use Buzzsprout. So follow the link in the show notes, and that'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus, it helps support our show as well. Again, down in the show notes with Buzzsprout. Let's go! All right, let's get this show on the road! Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go, woo! This is the Ike Wingate Show. Top of the morning, everyone. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Here's your host, Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning. Welcome to Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Thanks for being here bright and early. Good morning to you. On the way, celebrity birthdays, this day in history, random facts. What was the cost of living in 1962? Caught doing good, a found lost wallet. A story that you will want to hear. Plus, a man arrested after complaining about a previous arrest while he was inebriated. Didn't go well. And we'll be talking law in studio with Greg Thurman of Thurman and Flanagan next hour. Stay right where you are. This is the Ike Wingate Show. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your celebrity birthdays here for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Sarah Bolger, who plays Emily on Mayans MC, Mayans MC, is 33 today. Stephanie Sigmund, who plays Jessica Cortez on SWAT, is 37. Melanie Chandra, who plays Dr. Malaya Pineda on Code Black, is 38. Carolina Kirkova, Victoria's Secret model from Czechoslovakia, is 40 today. Singer Jason Aldean, 47. Allie Larder, she was in the first two Final Destination movies. She's 48 today. Amanda Abington, the spy who married Dr. Watson on Sherlock, is 50. Robert Sean Leonard, it's House's only real friend, Dr. James Wilson, on the show House. He's 55 today. Lead singer of the group Train, Pat Monahan, is 55 today. Radon Chong, Tommy Chong's daughter, is 63. Cindy Wilson of the B-52s is 67. John Turturro, supreme character actor Pete in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, is 67. Mario Andretti, racing legend, is 84. And on this day in history... The first full ship of gold rushers arrived in San Francisco in 1849. The Captain and Tennille won the Grammy for best record with Love Will Keep Us Together on this date in 1976. Michael Jackson won a record eight Grammy Awards on this date in 1984, including Album of the Year for Thriller. The show Coach, starring Craig T. Nelson, debuted on ABC in 1989. It lasted for eight years. A 51-day standoff in Waco, Texas, began after four federal agents and six Branch Davidians were killed during a raid as agents tried to serve warrants on David Koresh, 
on this date in 1993. And on this date in 2013, Pope Benedict XVI broke tradition and resigned from office. He was the first pope to do so in almost 600 years. Those are your celebrity birthdays in this day in history. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your random facts. According to the CDC, January is America's deadliest month. February is second, followed by March and December. August is the least deadliest month. And it's a big difference. About 20% more people die in January than in August. Winters are deadly because cold changes our bodies. As temperatures drop, our blood vessels contract and our hearts work harder. Huh. If you're already at risk of a heart attack or stroke, it's more likely to hit in winter. Yikes. Okay, now you know. Colgate toothpaste was sold in jars when it first came out in 1873, a jar of toothpaste. And one of the ingredients was soap. So you really were sort of washing your mouth out with soap, brushing your mouth out with soap. When characters on the Big Bang Theory wore superhero t-shirts, they were always for characters from DC Comics like Superman and Batman. That's because the show and DC Comics are both owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah, it wasn't an accident, okay? The Beatles spent the most weeks at number one on the Billboard album charts. When you factor in all their albums, it's 132 weeks total. That's more than two and a half years at number one. Taylor Swift is the next in line by less than half. Well... A little over half, 69 weeks, is Taylor Swift's record. Only five of the 30 MLB teams have ever, have never, sorry, only five of the 30 MLB teams have never won the World Series. The Milwaukee Brewers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the San Diego Padres, the Seattle Mariners, and the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, the Texas Rangers were on that list up until a few months ago. That's the fewest of the four major sports leagues. 12 NFL teams have never won a Super Bowl. 11 NHL teams have never won the Stanley Cup. And 10 NBA teams have never won the NBA championship. The NBA's Denver Nuggets were on that list until last summer, as were the NHL's Vegas Golden Knights. So now they're on the winning list. Those are your random facts. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Today's show brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law. Online at OzarkJustice.com or give them a call at 479-253-1234. Well, people talk about inflation all the time, right? The cost of living. Here's something that's kind of wild is the cost of living. Somebody posted a graphic recently of the year 1962, the cost of living. What do you think a new house cost in 1962? Brand new house, $12,550. The average income was $5,556 per year. If you wanted a new car in 1962, the average cost of a new car was $2,924. The average rent was $110 per month in 1962. If you want to go, if you wanted to go to Harvard University, the tuition for a year was just over fifteen hundred dollars for a whole year. A movie ticket was a dollar back in 1962. The price for a gallon of gasoline, twenty-seven cents. My goodness, twenty-seven cents. And the postage stamp was four cents. Everything has gone up quite a bit. If you wanted sugar, it was eighty-nine cents for ten pounds of sugar. 
Vitamin D milk, $1.04 a gallon. Ground coffee, 85 cents a pound. Bacon, 69 cents a pound. Eggs, 32 cents a dozen. Fresh ground hamburger, 40 cents a pound. And fresh baked bread was 21 cents a loaf. Oh, those were the days, weren't they? I don't know, I wasn't alive. But some of you were, and it's no wonder. It feels like everything cost a fortune, because compared to then, it surely does. Good morning. Ever caught someone doing a good job? Tell us about it. Well, we've told you a few stories, especially lately, of lost wallets that have been recovered, and usually it's somebody finds it and they return it to the people, and it's so great. And Well, this is interesting because it's a Canadian woman walking along the beach. She was cleaning up debris and ended up finding a wallet. And it was her wallet. Actually, she lost it like eight or nine months ago. This is the moment this TikToker, Marcy Callowart, lost her wallet alongside the moment that she found it. I didn't zip the pocket on my backpack that the wallet goes into. And I heard a splash when I got into our boat. Guys, it's my wallet. No one's going to believe me. So this is the wallet. It's probably still dropping sand. The only damage was that the zipper was corroded. So to recap, she was out on a boat eight or nine months ago, lost the wallet. She was walking on the beach eight eight or nine months later, and she walks upon her wallet pretty much intact with just some corrosion on the zipper. What are the odds of that? That is caught doing good. You got a good story out there. Let us tell it right here. Email it to show at IkeWingate.com. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, you know when the Karens demand to talk to the manager, but they're still behaving in a way that won't get any sympathy? Well, this is the... Stranger than fiction, stupid criminal version of that. A 42-year-old man in Canada arrested when someone called the police to say that he was causing a disturbance in a restaurant. The guy was intoxicated. He refused to leave, so the cops rode him up, and then they drove him home. But the man was still fuming. Shortly afterward, he drove himself, after the police dropped him off, back to the police station and demanded to talk with a supervisor about the previous arrest. He showed signs of impairment, so they made him take a breathalyzer, and he failed. So this time, they arrested him for DUI, and his license was taken away. So he could have just stayed home after the cops gave him a ride, but he chose to drive and then complain, and then was booked into the pokey. That is Stranger Than Fiction. Good morning. Good morning. We are back in studio talking law with Thurman and Flanagan, Greg Thurman. Great to see you here again this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you, Ike. It's always a pleasure to be in studio. Well, it is going to be educational once again today because we're talking about the anatomy of a lawsuit, the different components, the different stages, and I'm I'm sure this has multiple parts, but can you tell us uh, stage one of the anatomy of a lawsuit? Well, I think it's important to understand that most lawsuits don't get filed immediately when somebody comes and hires an attorney. Most attorneys are going to try to negotiate a resolution pre-litigation. Depending on the type of case it is, most attorneys are going to put the other party on notice of the dispute through a letter, try to resolve the dispute. And that is what I call a claim in which we make a claim for our party, our client in this case, either against the insurance company or another individual and say, hey, this is the dispute I've been retained to resolve. Here's my client's position. And I would like to give you an opportunity to respond and see if we can't resolve this before filing suit. And so a lot of people, they think 
we filed a lawsuit. We're in litigation. When we're really not at that point. We are at the claim part, the pre-litigation part, where I'm trying to reach a resolution on their behalf before we have to get into the lawsuit. When that fails, the first step we have is we file a complaint. And in Arkansas, we are a notice pleading state, meaning that the complaint has to provide enough information to put the party that is being sued, the defendant, on notice of the allegations that are being made against that party. And that is what the complaint is. The complaint doesn't have to list every grievance that you may or may not have against that party. It doesn't have to recite statutes or case law in support of its claim. It is simply, here are the the facts that we are notifying you of that we believe justify the pursuit of this lawsuit against you. And that is the complaint that gets filed with the circuit clerk's office in the jurisdiction that you're pursuing the case. That's stage one. After the complaint is filed in Arkansas, you have 120 days to perfect service. And what that means, Ike, is that after the complaint is filed, you have a summons that gets issued by the circuit clerk that notifies the defendant or defendants that a lawsuit has been filed, advises them of the time period they have upon service to answer that lawsuit. And so we have to hire a licensed process server. In most cases, you can use the sheriff's office as well to serve lawsuits, and you can also try through certified mail. I have found a lot of people in today's world don't sign for certified mail, especially if they think litigation's coming, because typically they know it is. If you've sent them a letter and notified them of the dispute, and then they suddenly get a certified letter from Thurman and Flanagan, they decide not going to sign for this. So I usually will go right to a private license process server or use the sheriff's office to perfect service against the defendant or the defendants. Uh, And that's service process. And we have 120 days in Arkansas to do that. Once service is perfected, we then file an affidavit of service with the court, letting the court know we have perfected service within the 120 days. And then from the date of service on that defendant or defendants, the clock begins to run and they have 30 days to file an answer the lawsuit. When you're talking about perfecting service, simply it's handing the the lawsuit, the papers to them. Correct. Now, you have to have somebody that is certified, like, you know, licensed process server to do that, or the sheriff. And then it doesn't have to actually be the defendant. But if you are at the defendant's residence and you hand it to somebody of, a, of the appropriate age that lives there, that is also service. So okay. if I was hired, Ike, to file suit against you, and I filed suit against you, I hired a process server, and they showed up at your house, and your wife opened the door, identified herself, process server hands the papers, you've been served. Yeah. If your 16-year-old kid opens the door, you've been served. Yeah. Yeah, you see this depicted on movies and shows where somebody, you know, sort of sneaks up talking to somebody and then, you know, all of a sudden pulls out the papers, right? And make no mistake about it, 26 years in county of practicing law, people have tried to avoid service. They duck what's called ducking service. Uh, And it can be an issue. There are other ways if somebody just literally ducks service and tries to duck it the entire 120 days, there are steps you can take to perfect service without actually giving them the paperwork. You have the process server sign an affidavit of the attempts to serve, and then you publish in the, the local paper a warning order warning them of the lawsuit. So there, there's some different procedural avenues that you can take if somebody does try to dodge service. I get tickled because eventually they're going to 
they're going to be served. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think they're trying to put off uh, the inevitable. But it's a cat and mouse game that sometimes I find humorous. I'll just be honest. There have been times that I've had to trick people into into service and into, into perfecting service. You know, get them to show up at something that they otherwise wouldn't be showing up to, but for what they think they're showing up for, only be met by a process server. Yeah. Well, if any of your friends are listening, they might not take you up on any invitations anytime soon. Uh, Very good, educational, entertaining, and uh, look forward to the next part in the sequence on the anatomy of a lawsuit with Thurman and Flanagan. Greg, thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, if you had to guess, what do you think is the noisiest city in America? Yeah? A study has ranked the noisiest cities in the U.S. based on everything from traffic and construction to noise caused by airplanes, subways, and the number of bars per capita. And according to the results, the noisiest city is also our biggest city. New York is number one. Yeah. A lot of people in New York City, three times more nightlife spots per square mile than any other major city. So it is the city that never sleeps. What do you think the rest of the list entails? Number two is Chicago. Number three, Jersey City, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey is number four on the list of noisiest cities. Then Boston, San Francisco, Miami, Philadelphia, Long Beach, California, and then Los Angeles. I'm kind of surprised Los Angeles didn't rank up there higher. But uh, if you don't like noise, don't go to any of these cities. I have to say, none of the results, none of the results are uh, surprising. They ought to do a list of the quietest cities. That would be, I think that'd be more interesting. Don't you? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing like a quiet city. Good morning. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Well, if you or someone you know is out on the dating scene, there could be some things that you like doing that make you undateable. Yes, there are 10 hobbies, according to this list on Reddit, that make you undateable. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, number one on the list of undateable hobbies is pranking people, particularly mean-spirited pranks. That makes you undateable. Being obsessed with celebrity culture or worshiping celebrities. That is something that turns people off. Being obsessed with politics is also an undateable hobby. Interesting. Politics is not a hobby, by the way. That's something you should be involved in for the sake of how it affects your life. Celebrities don't affect your life, but politics does. Okay, end of rant. Bullfighting. Bullfighting? Okay, that's a hobby that they say makes you undateable. Or dogfighting. Or any other animal fighting competitions. Uh, Number five on the list of undateable attributes is collecting controversial memorabilia. Like things involving serial killers, Nazis, etc. Being a social media influencer as a hobby is number six on the list of things that make you undateable. Gambling is number seven. Smoking weed is number eight. And number nine, people who are so extreme and obsessive about their hobbies that it consumes all their time. So basically, yeah, you can have a hobby as long as it's not as one of these ten hobbies and as long as you're not obsessed with it. But here's the catch at number ten. Something that makes you undateable is 
if you have zero hobbies. People who have zero hobbies were number 10 on the list. So kind of a, I don't know, catch 22. 10 hobbies that make you undateable. And number 10 on that list is if you don't have any hobbies at all. Go figure. Tough crowd, right? Good morning. Well, this is a story I should have asked Greg Thurman about when he was here earlier. Uh, A woman in Ireland was in a car accident seven years ago. Her vehicle was rear-ended, and she filed a personal injury lawsuit for $825,000, claiming that she was left with a disabling condition. She claimed she had constant back and neck pain that prevented her from working for more than five years. She also couldn't play with her children or carry out basic chores. She couldn't even take out the trash, according to the claim. The case has been tied up for a while. Recently, the court was shown a newspaper photo from 2018, less than a year after the crash, and it shows the woman doing something that contradicts what she's been claiming. What do you think the newspaper picture showed her doing? Well, it showed the woman participating in a Christmas tree throwing contest. She's heaving a large spruce tree in the photo. Yeah, it doesn't look good for someone claiming they can't do anything. The woman said that even though she may have looked happy while she was throwing that Christmas tree, she was in excruciating pain. The judge didn't believe it, threw out her case worth $825,000 after being caught throwing a Christmas tree. Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government, and our culture. It's the Ike Wingate Show. You can find it at IkeWingate.com. Please subscribe to it, listen to it. It's a longer-form, unfiltered podcast that delves deep into the issues that are happening in our culture. So check it out, please. Hey, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. It's an honor to know you've been listening and hanging out with us. We know you got choices, and believe me, we appreciate that you made this choice. We'd love to spread the word. We need your help with that. Leave us a review. Rate us whatever you can, because that'll help spread the word on the show. You want to contact us? Hit us up. Show at IkeWingate.com. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. Just type in the Ike Wingate Show. Have a great day.